is Panama today. Bill Wilbur here. Gamboa is still here, and the canal is still here. And the truth of God will endure through all generations. Jesus said, nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's Romans chapter 8. And he says about the word of God that heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will endure forever. That's why we are here on this program, sharing the word of God with you, because that's what endures forever, not what is in La Prensa for the day or whatever ounce uh, you're reading, magazines or newspapers, but the word of God, that is what will last forever. What does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be a captive? Jesus said in Isaiah 61 and in Luke 4 that he has come to set the captive free. And I will take you into a message in which I was preaching on that very subject. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, which would have been Saturday, right? He went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news, preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to re recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he, be and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I want to stop at that point and, and move on to verse 31. Actually, I want to uh, verse 28. The verses in between tell about Jesus is noting how they're rejecting him, and he was saying that, you know, people have rejected the prophets for years, but the Gentiles, the, uh, uh, the Jews have rejected the prophets, but the Gentiles opened their hearts to the Lord. And when they heard that, in verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town. Isn't it interesting? That's quite a response to your sermon, isn't it? <laughs> You end by taking the preacher of the morning and, you know, taking him out of town and want to throw him over a cliff. And uh, the whole idea of taking him out of town is also with the whole idea of rejection. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill uh, on which he, the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through them. The crowd went on his way. Um, you, you know that Jesus died by suffering for our sins on the cross and the shedding of his blood, not by hanging, not by stoning, not by being thrown off a cliff, but by shedding his blood for our sins. The next passage in verse 31 on through 37 tells about how he went on to Capernaum, and he, once again he's in the synagogue in verse 33. There was a, a man possessed by a demon and an evil spirit, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? 
with authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Now, if you would take a moment, I don't have the page number, but if you would turn left in your Bible to just about the middle of it, and that you will come up to either Psalms or Proverbs, but I'm, if you get Psalms, then you go right. I want you to turn to Isaiah 61, which was the passage I read earlier this morning. Isaiah 61. And like I say, if you take your Bible, that pew Bible, the red one, just kind of let it flop open in the middle, you'll probably open to Psalms or Proverbs or Isaiah. And Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, is what uh, Jesus quoted. However, he didn't quote all of it. Verse 3, he didn't quote. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Well, I ask that the Lord would give us a real insight into this passage at this time. You can hold your finger in the Isaiah passage if you'd like. Jesus came to the world to set captives free. That was his purpose. The, the, this forces you to evaluate your philosophy, if you will, of the world, or better yet, your theology of the world. Who is really in control of this world at this particular time? Now, if, you will, if you're back into Luke 4 with me, if you would just turn back to verse 5 and 6. We see that the temptation of Jesus, he was driven into the wilderness. And one of the temptations by the devil to Jesus was, in verse 4, uh, verse 3 is the first one. If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answers in verse 4, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 5, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Now, in this particular instance, uh, the devil was telling the truth. This was a legitimate temptation. This was a legitimate temptation to Jesus when he said, all the kingdoms of the world have been given to me. And, and what... Okay, just to set it there, that would be fine. Just lay it down. Yeah, all the way up. There we go. When man disobeyed God back in the garden and obeyed Satan... The world was transferred under the dominion of Satan instead of the dominion of, God, uh, of, of man. And from that point on, it remains the same today. And so that when the devil came to, to tempt Jesus, and he said, all the kingdoms of the earth are mine, it was true. Jesus did not argue with him that point. The, what Jesus did argue with him was, is that I am not going to bow down to you to get it. I am not going to go your way and take your means to accomplish regaining the world's dominion for mankind. He knew that God had a plan and God's plan was to bring him to earth to die for our sins. He was going to win the world back through the means that God the Father had established and that would be that his son 
wasn't going to yank it back from the devil, but he was going to defeat the devil by Jesus dying on the cross, not only to defeat the devil, but to forgive us for our sins. Many times people have asked, why, why did dying on the cross defeat the devil? Well, it's because up to this point, the devil had done anything he wanted with what he wanted to do with, his crea- with, with the creation which was under his dominion at that point. But at this point, Jesus, who had committed no sin, was not guilty of anything. And so to take and push to the limits and get Jesus crucified and, and dead on the cross, now the devil is guilty of murder. He's guilty of the crime of killing an innocent person. And it turned around that in this guilty, being guilty, he is now condemned. He's not annihilated. He's not completely out of the picture. But he still is in the place of having dominion over this world in its fallen state. Now, in a couple other places, just before Jesus was going to die on the cross, uh, he said, the ruler of this world, is coming to take me. He told that to his disciples in the garden that night. The ruler of this world. Here he is, the son of God, saying that Satan is the ruler of this world. And yet, the Jesus also said, and later on he said, he has nothing in me. In other words, he has no hold over me. I have not created any sin. I have not disobeyed the Father's will. There is no hold that the devil has over me. Although Satan has rule of this world now, he has no control over me at all. He has nothing in me. Jesus also said, Satan's rule will be cast down. Now, today, it would be a mistake for us to attribute to God the disasters that we are seeing in the world. The disorder, the wars, the uh, disasters, what we call natural disasters. And to confuse the disorder of this confused sin-ridden, disease, tragedy-ridden planet to confuse that and say that's God's doing because it's still part of the fallen creation which is under Satan's rule and domination. Now, Satan does not have ultimate control of everything. He is not omnipresent or neither is he in a place where he controls all things. Omnipotent. But he does have incredible power, but it is limited. And he is very destructive in his ways. And you and I in our human form are unable to combat him or to do anything about him. And when Jesus went to the cross for us, he provided the means which defeated the devil And then Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the forgiveness which Jesus won for you on the cross is followed then by him implanting within you his very Holy Spirit. That in the same way that he exercised authority over demon spirits when he was here on earth. I just read you one case of it. You then have the authority in you as a child of God to exercise the same authority in the kingdom of God as Jesus did. And he said, all authority is given unto me. Therefore, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, I'd like you to look back at this uh, passage again in, in Luke 4. 
He stands up and he reads this passage. And to help us even understand it better, in verse 19, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now you might recall this from your Sunday school days or your Bible reading. There is a phrase called the year of Jubilee. How many of you ever heard of that? The year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was the 50th year. Now, on the 50th year, which was seven times, whoops, we got to do seven, seven times seven, brought you up to the year 49. The 50th year was a year when all debts and all slaves were returned. It's a time when there was a shaking and everything started over again. Everything was evil, equal again. Now, those who are who are good at business and those who had certain types of charisma and gifts and, and so on, many times those people bubble up onto the top over a period of years and sin is still sin and some of the people were making the same mistakes and uh, getting themselves in trouble. But everything became equal again. That was called the year of Jubilee. It was a very, very exciting year. It was a time of rejoicing and happy and they didn't plow or plant that year. They let the land go to rest. They did that every seventh year also, which was called the Sabbath rest. And the, the Jubilee year was an exciting year. Now, when Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus, they were at a time when they were under captivity of the Babylonian uh, nation. And they were slaves. And their people, many of them, had been hauled off to Babylonia. And they were uh, uh, being oppressed. They had to pay taxes and all their leadership was gone and they were being led by the Babylonian people and so on. It was a very despairing state for the people who were called the people of God. But Isaiah comes on the scene and why are part of his prophecy after, after denouncing all the evil things that they did that had gotten them in that place and the rejection of God, he says you brought it all upon yourself, he gives a hope and he says there is a day coming and it's the day of the anointed one. And he's going to come, and as it's written, uh, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon... uh, I'm going to read it out of the Isaiah passage. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now, Isaiah prophesied that, but he wasn't talking about himself. But when Jesus stood up and said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news... What was that good news? He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Were those people in captivity brokenhearted? You bet they were. To proclaim freedom for the captive. They were oppressed by their captors. And release for the prisoners. They were being held prisoners by, uh, by uh, 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 an occupying army. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Now that part, Jesus did not quote because that's going to come at the end times at the end of the world. The day of vengeance has not come. But he did say, Jesus ended the quotation up to the point to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's saying the purpose of the anointed one was to come and set the people free. And when he said that, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That word anointed is very interesting. It's a Hebrew word and, it, and, it's, and uh, it's called mashak, mashak. And it's to mean, it, it means to rub with oil. And it was done to priests and to kings 
and to prophets, but it was also done to objects in the temple. And then the verb form of that, uh, of, a, of the anointed me, uh, I should say not a verb form, the noun form, comes out to be Messiah, which is the anointed one. Now when that was translated into Greek, it was Christos. And so Jesus, the one who will die for our sins, Messiah, he's the one. He's the Christos. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one from God. He is the one that has come totally anointed by God who will break the power of Satan, which has held people in captivity and held them under the burden of sin and, and, and has taken and led them into such despair and despondency with no hope for the future. And so when Jesus came and he said those words, he also said that he can take beauty, make beauty out of ashes. What's that? Lives that have been so distorted and under the rule of Satan and, and, and because of our mistakes and following the way of the enemy, we have taken futures of our lives and they've just become ashes. It's just been destroyed. Just things have blown up right in front of us. Oil of joy for mourning. Instead of, of being downcast and mourning over our past and being regretful over all things, he can take make a joy over the fact that our past, we may still remember them in the sense that we recall them, but the pain of what happened in the past is gone, and he's given us joy instead. And he's given that garment of praise instead of that oppressive heaviness. Now, when Jesus came here on earth, he not only broke the power of Satan, but then when he left earth, he said, I am pouring out my spirit, will be poured out on all flesh. And that happened just 40 days uh, uh, excuse me, 50 days after the resurrection. And then he was around for 40 days and 10 days after, after that, that's when the power of the Holy Spirit has come. And that same Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is here today. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to have Jesus lay hands on us uh, uh, to, to receive a, a, a breaking of, of, of that bondages over us or to be set free from our sins. The Holy Spirit is here on planet Earth and is moving wherever there is a receptive heart. Now, the devil wants to offer the things of the world just as he did to, Satan, uh, to Jesus. And as he came to Jesus, he said, all the kingdoms of the world are mine if you'll just bow down. Well, he doesn't really come to us and he say, all the kingdoms of the world, you know, Bill Wilbur, I will offer you. But he comes and he'll offer things to me and he'll offer things to you like it's a free ticket on a train. And he says, if you just take this train ride, you will find the answers for what you're looking for. If, if it's something in sex or if it's something in, a, in a, some form of addiction, if it's some sense of power, if you just want this good feeling, if you just want this recognition, if whatever you want, just hop on this train. But what he doesn't tell you is that he collects at the end of the line. And the thing that he collects with, he collects with your peace of mind. He collects with your health. He collects with venereal disease. He collects with a guilt trip so big on you, you can't get rid of it. And ultimately, he collects with your life and keeps you from having eternal life. And so the devil still has not changed his tactics as what he did to Jesus and what he has done to man all down to the line as he's a liar and he offers these particular invitations to you and to the, me and to this world and he says, here, this is the answer. And we might say, well, I don't bow down in my room to him. I'm not a Satan worshiper, but I'm not a Satanist. I'm not into that. 
But by giving into something and following that way and giving up the good life and the way and the forgiveness and the liberty that Jesus Christ offers us, it is a way of bowing down to him. It is a way of surrendering to him. I have good news, though. Jesus says, today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Acceptable year of the Lord. It's the year of Jubilee. He says, I've come to pronounce a year of Jubilee to those who are captive and those who are held in bondage. People who have no future can now have a hope. People who are locked into something and have no reason to live can now have a reason to live. People who are held in bondage in their own spiritual ways and their own physical strength, they cannot get out of them. He says, I'm announcing that they can be set free. And you see the parallel to the people who were held in captivity in, uh, by the Babylonians. That, they were, that was a physical thing, but Jesus is saying it's a spiritual thing that has really locked you in, and I've come to set you free. Now, I've shared this message with you this morning on being set free because this is a basis for what you're going to hear in this video tonight. In fact, this passage of Scripture, as I was going over my notes from the Congress, which I took when Francis McNutt gave that message, I noticed that Judith McNutt quotes that very Scripture. And uh, as I was reading over her notes last night, or the notes I took of her message, I thought, man, that's the same scripture I'm going to use tomorrow morning. And it got me, got me excited about it because it, this is, will be a reinforcement upon you of, of the fact that Jesus Christ has really come to set you free. What Jesus did for you on the cross and did for me on the cross cost him terribly. It was a terrible thing that he went through. Not only physically, but spiritually what he went through, the agony. But he did that so you wouldn't have to suffer it. He did that so that you could be free to, to have the new life in Christ and to enjoy it and to walk in it and to share it with other people. And I want to tell you something. When Jesus announces the year of Jubilee to your spirit and you have a beauty come out of ashes in your life and you have oil instead of mourning and you have... A, a, a praise instead of heaviness. It's pretty hard to keep it in. And people begin to look at you and say, what's different? What's changed your life? You know, I have visited sometimes in, in people's homes or I've seen a picture of this person when they were in high school or in college. And I've seen some, some, some uh, pictures of before salvation. And some of these people are... are, are their whole countenance is downcast and everything. And I've seen pictures after they've become a Christian. I know people now. And it's like their whole countenance is different. And that's what Christ does to our life. He gives us a reason for living. And he can and take the destruction and the things out of our past that would just so weight us down. Uh, and, and he can make that beauty come out of ashes. He can take you if you're on that train ride already and you've given in to the, to the, uh, the sucker-type invitations that the devil has given he can, before it's the end of the line, you can cry out to Jesus and you can get off of that train. You can do it today if you've never done it. And if there's some other things in your life, as, even as a believer, and these other things are holding you back and you know it in your Christian life, you can cry out today and say, Father, I know through Jesus, he is the anointed one and he has set that anointing upon the people of God today. I need to be free. I want to be free. And that's God's business. He's come to set the captive free.